electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, keeping America competitive. We're talking the building blocks of all tech, semiconductors. But building those chips costs money, and that money is stalled in the U.S. Congress. CEO of Intel, Pat Gelsinger, and his message to lawmakers. Hey, if I'm not done with the job, I don't get to go home. Neither should you. Do not go home for August recess until you have passed the CHIPS Act. What's on the line for American industry and national security? The U.S. has been declining for 30 years in its manufacturing of this industry. If we're going to reverse it, we need to act now. And if not, the dominoes will keep falling. That big interview, plus heading to your it might be a good time for your wallet. There are nice hotels in, in parts of Europe. You get your bill and you go, oh, that's bad. And then you get home and it'd be like, wow, it's 30% higher than it was. It's Friday, July 15th, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, fuel please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Joe, you were talking about parity with the euro yeah. and what that might mean. Almost there, 1.0037. Well, I think of it as, wow, that hotel in... It'd be a lot cheaper in Davos right It would almost right? be the same. Well, Davos. Davos has its own issues. I don't want to stay at any of those hotels. But there are nice <laughs> hotels in, in parts of Europe, and they used to cost... You know, you'd, you'd get your bill and you'd go, oh, that's bad. And then you'd get home and it'd be like, wow, it's 30 percent really? higher right. uh, than it was. But the interesting thing, and, and there's a piece in the journal, a couple of interesting pieces in the journal, but uh, it, it, it might be, we don't want to hope for, it's not worth it to get a cheap hotel room if, if, if Europe implodes. And, and, you know, we're seeing that Lagarde is, is really hesitant to raise rates because there, there is conjecture that she's abandoned the strong currency policy and is now just trying to keep the eurozone together which is unclear whether that stays because italy you it, the whole idea that italy is going to have the same interest rate structure as germany. germany is out is insane we've tested this before yeah uh, there have been times in the not too distant past when people were convinced the euro block would not be able to hold together because of the it just it's like jury rig it's not it can't you can't have these, as Alarian used to call them, multi-speed economies with this, if you don't have a central uh, fiscal authority, it's not going to work to have a, uh, the same monetary policy. It's been an experiment. An exper- and again, it, it, we, we got closer to testing these things bef- in the past. We did. And we may, we may test it again with, with what's happening in, in Italy right now. And there's going to be a lot of stress on the system for the euro. The other thing that's kind of interesting is, is that, you know, you were, I know you were watching, but we're still at about 3,800 on the S&P. So we've been through another week of inflation numbers that no one's seen in 40 or Almost 50 ever. years. Yeah. Almost ever. And we've been through that. And somehow we're, we're at 3,800 and called higher today. I don't know what that means. This is an interesting piece here. We are at full employment, but we probably have back-to-back GDP, negative GDP. 
So we probably have a technical recession, but it's unlike any other recession we've ever had, and not really a recession if, if, if you're at 3.6% unemployment. James was saying yesterday that it's not going to be like 2008, that this is very different. Yeah. But, uh, even if you have that pullback in that recession, a lot of people tell you we're in a recession right now. But people are flush. People have... There's an art, another article today that, that people saved money. They didn't go on, on, on date night during the, uh, these, are, these are young people. <laughs> I read about young people and how they're, you know, they're 27 years old. 27 years old, saved some money, didn't go on date nights, didn't go on vacation. So now they, they bought a Peloton, they got money, they're still flush. But now they're starting to wonder about whether you need a, a, a rainy day fund, given what we talk about and what they hear on the news every day. So it's very... It's good thing we've got more bank earnings today. We can hear more about what's happening in the economy. Well, we already did that. I talked about how excited I get about bank earnings because there's nothing like, you know, talking about, you know, interest income and yield curves and... Uh, what Jamie Dimon and James Gorman said yesterday was pretty interesting, though. Really? Yeah. I mean, Jamie, said, <laughs> Jamie made it really? sound like things were pretty bad. But then it got not as bad as, as you would think right. in terms of, uh, I mean, credit card losses weren't bad. They did add to some reserves. I think loan growth would probably slow, too, wouldn't you think? Potentially. Well, we'll get more in earnest next uh, week. Pinterest shares jumping this morning after the Wall Street Journal reported that Elliott Management has taken a more than 9% stake in the company. That would make it Pinterest's largest shareholder. The activist investor is said to have been talking about unspecified matters with Pinterest for the last few weeks. Pinterest shares are down sharply over the last year as the social media company has struggled to keep users after everybody went back after the COVID lockdowns. And this wouldn't be the first time that Elliott's gotten into <laughs> some of the social media companies yeah. investing in Twitter in the past. Elliot, phone home. Amazon uh, has started cutting the number of items that, I can't help it, uh, the items it sells under its own brands. Uh, this comes as sales fall, and the Wall Street Journal reports Amazon has also discussed exiting most of the private label business because the division has drawn uh, scrutiny, regulatory scrutiny. European regulators say Amazon, uh, using its size and data to push its own products, uh, gaining an unfair advantage of a rival merchants that, uh, that also use its platform. That, that movie, by the way, is timeless. Um, E.T., phone home. E.T., phone home, Elliot. Uh, and and it, people still look at it in, in, in sort of wonderment that it happened, was it 30 years ago? It was more than 30 Probably years ago. Probably 30 because that the no, actor... I think it was more than. The actor has been, in, you know, he's an adult actor now playing like grandfathers and stuff. So, so to tie it back to the business angle on that, remember, yeah. this was the marketing opportunity. Thanks for doing that. M&M's <laughs> blew. M&M's, right. they, they went to M&M's and said, let's use M&M's in the movie. M&M's wanted them to pay them, so they said, forget it. When with Reese's Pieces. Oh, you did it. I did it. said it well. That's your favorite faux pas. But they went with Reese's Pieces, yeah. and that was when Reese's Pieces took off. Exactly. That's how long ago What were was. the two? How did, it was a portmanteau. You, you were trying to say Reese's Pieces. Peanut butter cups. Peanut butter and, and Reese's, Reese's Pieces. Peanut, yeah. And the rest is history. Let's let it stay in history. Fine. Yeah. Get my you, way out you, just that. use your own, uh, use your imagination if you're trying to say plucking peanut those butter. Chickens. <laughs> Keep plucking those chickens. Exactly. Not always easy. No. No more Reese's Pieces on today's podcast, but we are talking about another kind of mini goodie. Next up, semiconductors, the tiny chips that make all of our tech tick. Who makes them and why that's important? With Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger. Man, you know, there's 100 chips in every uh, javelin missile. You know, there's thousands of chips in every you know, vehicle that we're putting out there. Do we want to be the ones building the chips for our own national defense? Of course we do. 
his message to lawmakers, and his vision for American manufacturing right after this on Squawk Pod. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And we're back. This is Squawk Pod, and I am CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Semiconductors, or microchips, are the tiny powering units that keep our modern machine age humming. Smartphones, airplanes, household appliances, even steering wheels, they all run on the power of chips. These tiny pieces of metal, yes, usually silicon, replaced the rooms full of tubes and electricity that ran early computers. Semiconductors are the brains of modern electronics, the little engines that do. And because there is such a high demand, the manufacturing and distribution of chips, how many chips we have, where they come from, has become a hot button issue. China is the largest producer of semiconductors in the world, followed by Taiwan and South Korea. And a supply chain crisis triggered by the global pandemic deprived PC makers, smartphone companies, and car manufacturers of the computer chips needed to make their products. So Congress passed an initial version of what's come to be called the CHIPS Act. That was in January 2021 as part of that year's National Defense Authorization Act, which provides guidance on policies and funding for the year. But we're over a year later and Congress has yet to formally allocate any budget to finance the bill. Are there votes there to pass this as slim down? Lawmakers have been working on a sweeping bipartisan set of bills focused on American competition, and part of that is $52 billion in funding for the semiconductor industry. But Congress is going on summer vacation soon, and this package has gotten large and unwieldy, and Republicans say it's stuck and won't pass before the August recess. Top Senate Republican Mitch McConnell has threatened to tank the broader package called USICA, or United States Innovation and Competition Act, as part of a fight over other completely separate legislation. McConnell spoke to reporters this week and explained how Congress could get the big bill, again, that's USICA, unstuck. It seems to me there are a couple of ways out of this, potentially. There is the possibility of the House simply taking the Senate bill and passing it. Or there is a widespread concern on a bipartisan basis on the chips portion of it. Another option would be to spin off the chips part of it 
and pass it. There are members I have who are not overly fond of USICA, but who think there's a national security aspect to the CHIPS deficit. So a new strategy. Democrats in Congress are open to pass the bill with the money for the CHIPS and leave the rest behind. Here's Senator Mark Warner. Clearly there's parts of the bill that there's still some contention on, but around CHIPS, 5G, the investment tax credit, there seem to be an awful lot of agreement. I think we ought to take that and whatever else people can agree on and get it to the floor within the next 10 days. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo has signaled the Biden administration is open to this approach. Cleave off the funding for CHIPS to just get it done. She said this to CNBC. It seems like Republicans and Democrats are coming to grips with the urgency of this situation. Raimondo says chips companies are making decisions about their production levels or expansion plans now, and the supplies matter as much as the competition. This is about national security. If this doesn't happen next week, China wins, the United States loses. It really is that simple. Asian chip makers are interested in producing in the U.S. Taiwan Global Wafers is looking at sites in Texas. Taiwan Semiconductor, the largest chip manufacturer, is looking in Arizona. But one American tech company wants to make more chips, and they want to do it at home. But folks, This is President Biden at the State of the Union address earlier this year. If you travel 20 miles east of Columbus, Ohio, you'll find a thousand empty acres of land. It won't look like much, but if you stop and look closely, you'll see a field of dreams. The ground on which America's future will be built. That's where Intel, the American company that helped build Silicon Valley, is going to build a $20 billion semiconductor megasite. Up in the House Gallery of the U.S. Capitol was Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger. Was here tonight. I don't know where Pat is. Pat, there you go. Pat, stand up. Gelsinger had announced a few weeks prior plans to construct two chip factories in Ohio to make millions of chips and create thousands of jobs right in the heart of it all. Pat came to see me and he told me they're ready to increase their investment from 20 billion to 100 billion. That would be the biggest investment in manufacturing in American history. Last month, Intel announced a freeze on construction of that multi-billion dollar facility in Ohio, pointing to the slow-moving CHIPS Act as cause for the delay. The plant's future existence relies heavily on funding from the government, and without that support, they can't do much. Which is part of why, as you'll hear, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger has a tough message to Congress. Here's Becky. Pat, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, We've been talking a lot about... We've been talking a lot about the CHIPS Act this morning and where things stand. It it, it sounds like there could be a separate standalone vote just on this part of the bill, not wrapping up other things. Is that your understanding of things as well? Yeah. You know, I think there are three pathways right now. You know, one is House just votes on the bill that Senate already passed. You know, second is they create what they call the skinny version of the Competitiveness Act. Or third is they just pull the two pieces out that are related to CHIPS and just vote on those. And uh, clearly, those second and third options have been getting a lot more momentum in the last uh, couple of days. And uh, you know, we're starting to see uh, you know, both the uh, House and the Senate leadership lining up behind one of those uh, two paths. But my message to uh, our congressional leaders is, hey, if I'm not done with the job, I don't get to go home. Neither should you. Do not go home for August recess until you have passed the CHIPS Act. 
because I and others in the industry will make investment decisions. And do you want those investments in the U.S.? Or are we simply not competitive in this to do them here? And we need to go to Europe or Asia for those. Get the job done. Do not go home for August recess without getting these bills passed. Gina Raimondo, the Secretary of Commerce, has said recently that if it doesn't get done before this August recess, she doesn't think it's likely to get done at all. Is that your feeling on it, too? Why you think it's so important that it be voted on before they leave? Well, you know, I do think that what what, what happens now is we will lose momentum. You know, my Ohio plant, right? I want to do groundbreaking. I want to get those shovels in the ground. But I have a great alternative in uh, Germany, and they've moved extraordinarily. I mean, the complex 27-member European nation has you know, accomplished what we're trying to get done in less than half the time. And they're ready to put the incentives in place right now for us to get underway. You know, others that uh, I've spoken to of my CEO peers, they're going to make these decisions. You know, and now Senate you know, passes over a year ago, Becky. You know, I, I came into this job with the expectation, the promise that we were getting this done. And now we have to make these investments and we're making those decisions now. And again, the U.S. has been declining for 30 years in its manufacturing of this industry. If we're going to reverse it, we need to act now. And if not, the dominoes will keep falling. Now, I am slightly more optimistic that, you know, as some have said, you know, we make the right decisions when we've exhausted every other opportunity in the House. But the time is done. And if we want to change the shape of this industry for the rest of this decade, do not go home for August recess. Get this finished because passing it next year, we're going to have made a bunch of decisions on on fabrication and manufacturing investments that are not good for the United States. And think about the situation we're in, Becky. A large portion of inflation, the shortage in chips. You know, the economic impact of these jobs that we want to create, you know, and how that just creates this silicon heartland, as we've described it with our Ohio facility and our national defense and intelligence community have woken up and realized, man, you know, there's 100 chips in every Javelin missile. You know, there's thousands of chips in every you know, vehicle that we're putting out there. Do we want to be the ones building the chips for our own national defense? Of course we do. You know, so economy, the impact on inflation, impact on jobs and national security, this is just so critical for our nation. It's implausible that our Congress wouldn't get this done. This is the most important thing for them to finish before August recess. Hey, Pat, I, I know that it's about 30 to 40 percent cheaper for you to put a fabrication plant in Asia than it is here in America. But there are also a lot of complications when you do that. You deal with your own issues with trying to get chips back. What's the advantage with putting things here in the United States and how much of a premium is worth it? How much more are you willing to pay to put something here than there? What does this money mean? And how much money do you need to make it more affordable? But yeah, my guess is it's not going to be parity no matter what, even if this funding comes from the government. Yeah. And you know, what, what we saw through the COVID uh, situation is that our supply chains have become very precarious. As I like to say, Becky, we need to go from just in time to just in case. You know, we need to build a globally balanced resilient supply chain. And for something that, you know, what aspect of your life, Becky, or of any listener today, is it becoming more digital? Everything runs on semiconductors. You know, this is so essential for every aspect, you know, of you know, our AI systems, our vehicles, you know, our consumer, our healthcare, you know, and national defense. We need the supply chains to be more resilient. 
And obviously, a huge piece of this in Asia, Taiwan, these are geographically precarious situations and no, ones I, that we simply need to be building in a way that we're confident for these supply chains. Now, obviously, the CHIPS Act itself doesn't solve the problem. It creates an incentive to start driving these investments in the U.S. And if it's as close, you know, we're going to build in U.S. and Europe. You know, that's, you know, we're an American company. We believe deeply in the benefits of R&D and manufacturing. But we also need to take steps to bring more of the supply chain. And clearly, the Shanghai port shutdowns showed us how precarious the situation is. And we need to have more of these supply chains. Not that we're getting out of Asia, but as you say, you know, good balanced supply chains is better for the economy, better for national security, and also better for the geopolitics. Where the, where the oil reserves have been, have defined geopolitics for five decades. Where the fabs are for the next several decades is more important. Let's build this manufacturing where we want it, need it, and benefit from that job creation. Understood. All of those points make a lot of sense. But if you are now deciding where to put your next plants between us and Germany, what is Germany offering? How much cheaper is it there? What kind of incentives would you need to see here to say, okay, we're, we're doing this instead of that? Yeah, and you know the CHIPS Act is well designed, and we feel very comfortable. You know, it's about you know, 30% of a fabrication facility, some additional benefits uh, at the state level. So as it's designed now, it makes us competitive. And that's all we're suggesting in this, is that if we're going to make these kind of $20 billion investments, we have to be competitive at the end of it to compete in the world. And the benefits that uh, Germany and EU, you know, I helped to draft the EU CHIPS Act, very equivalent. And it's very similar in that sense. So it really is to bring parity to the world, allowing these investments to flow where we want them. You know, and if it's close, we're, we're going to build a substantial portion of our manufacturing uh, in the U.S. That's who we are. We, you know, we're a 53-year-old company, one of the leading R&D firms on the planet. You know, and we are. You know, this is an industry that was created right. in America, and we're so excited for the opportunity to revive that industry on our soil with our people, as well as with our allies in Europe. And they've stepped up in a big way recently. And I think if we had a nice balance, as we would say, 50% in US and Europe, 50% in Asia, that's from 80-20 to 50-50 by the end of the decade, that'd be a huge collective accomplishment for our government and for our industry. If the CHIPS Act doesn't pass, if Congress does not pass it, does that mean you're not going to build that $20 billion facility in Ohio? Yeah, we've committed to build in Ohio, but when I announced it uh, early this year, in January of the year, I said, this is, you know, Congress has committed that they're going to get this done. And I said, hey, if they get it done, I'm going to be big and bold. $20 billion is the starting point. We're going to scale that to a much larger facility, you know, potentially up to uh, $80 or $100 billion for eight manufacturing uh, locations there. If they don't, it's going to be slow and small. And you know, I'll probably end up delaying the uh, build out of it. You know, we'll get started with it next year, but we'll accelerate our locations uh, such as Germany and we'll put more of the immediate investment there. So it really is in Congress's hands right now, whether we're going to go slow and small or whether we're going to go big, bold and fast. They get to decide. Republican Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has said that you're threatening the facility delay in order to gain leverage with Congress. How do you respond to, to those charges? I'm simply asking Congress to live up to the commitments that they made. You know, when they passed this out of Senate last year, there was excitement, enthusiasm, and expectation set. 
you know, numerous congressional leaders and said, we're going to get this done, Pat. We're simply saying, do what you said you would. Because, you know, when I took over as CEO, Becky, I came to Wall Street. And I says, I'm going to take a third out of our EBIT. I'm going to take our free cash flow negative for the first time. We're stopping buybacks. We're going to more than double our capital investment cycle. We have put our chips on the table. I can't be investing more aggressively for the benefit of this company, as well as the industry, as well as our nation. I simply need them to do their part. And obviously, you know, there's political machinations. You know, I'm an engineer by training. You know, I build products and companies. That's what I love to do. I'm not a political leader, but we do expect our political leaders to get done what they said they would. They've indicated with you know multiple years of effort now that they're going to pass this CHIPS Act. We and others have started plans, assuming they live up to those commitments. And we're simply now saying, get it done. Do not go home for August recess. Finish the job. Otherwise, you know, stay, work, do whatever political steps, any of the three pathways that we outlined. You know, Becky, any of them work for us. Do your political job. Get this done. The president is anxious to have this on his desk so that yeah. we can sign him in the law, put those shovels in the ground, and build back the most important industry for our nation's future. Pat, I realize you can't talk about the company at all because you're in a quiet period ahead of your earnings. We do appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. Very quickly before we go, uh, the odds that the, this gets passed at this point, just watching the movement of the last 48 hours, what do you think? Greater than 50%. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, Becky. You know, I, I find it a better way to live uh, personally. You know, and I, I believe, uh, as you said, when all options are exhausted, they'll do the right thing. And I believe that will happen. And uh, we're looking for the four quarters leadership uh, to come along. Clearly, as uh, Secretary Raimondo said, the White House is putting every effort on the table to make sure this gets done. I do believe they'll do the right thing. And I'm looking forward to having groundbreaking and, a, you know, shovels in ground and a big old celebration in Ohio because the Silicon Heartland is the right thing for our nation. And we're looking forward to making that happen. Pat Gelsinger. Pat, thank you for your time today. That is the podcast for today. Thank you for listening this week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend and stay cool. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 